The vision of CMC is to provide mental health awareness among our peers through the education of adults. Good morning from Carver's Mental Care Crew. I'm Jaden from Wright Class 2025. I'm I'm a real Garcia from class of 2024. Kobe Fletcher, 2025. Travis Gabby, class of 2024. Mike Jen, class of 2024. Jaden Simmons, class of 2025. Hey, Taylor May from class of 2025. Ulysses Rivers from class of 2025. And today we have a special guest. Hi, you guys. My name is Miss Dyer. Okay, so, um, Miss Dyer, before we start, can you give us a brief overview about yourself and what you do here at college? So I am um, a social worker here at Carver. I service primarily grades 11 and 12, but I really care for grade, all grades. Um, some of the work that I do here um, is focused around teaching kids social emotional learning so that they can meet um, their academic goals. Uh, thank you. Okay, so um, first question. Why do you think teens go through depression? Why do I think teens go through depression? I think it's a number of reasons. Um, when we look at depression itself, um, it's a very serious mental health condition um, that causes persistent feelings of sadness, hopelessness, and loss of interest in activities. And depression in teens can affect the way they think. It can affect the way they feel. It can affect the way that they behave. And I think some of the factors that contributes to teen depression is peer pressure, academic expectations, um, as well as hormonal changes. Changes to the body can bring a lot of ups and downs for teenagers. Okay. Uh, as an adult, as a mentor, as a social worker here at Carver, uh, how does New Orleans, how do you feel that New Orleans violence contributes to teens' emotional distress? Well, a lot of ways. Um, a lot of teenagers are exposed to gun violence and are exposed to a lot of traumatic events. And I think being exposed to that can affect the way that they think. It can affect the way that they feel and the way that they behave. And as a result of that, I think kids tend to cope negatively with the effects of being exposed to trauma and violence. Um, and it's, it's, and I think that's what, when it becomes depression, you know, it's one, Depression is a persistent, it's persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness, right? But when, you know, it becomes something that kids cannot, you know, um, cannot just have the willpower to, to overcome on their own, then it becomes a symptom of depression. And then when you see that in kids, um, oftentimes kids really need a lot of support to deal with that. Um, and that looks like having a caring parent or a caring adult that they can trust to help them get through that difficult time. But then, you know, yet when you have parents who, you know, themselves are victims or witnesses of violence or traumatic events, they have a hard time fulfilling that role. And I think for some kids that contributes to them finding alternative ways to cope with what they're going through, which looks like, you know, alcohol abuse or drug usage. Okay, well. Um, I'm glad you brought that up about kids. Uh, reaching out to adults, how do you think adults could better help kids, help teens cope with with the things they go through? Like, cause sometimes it's kind of hard for uh, teenagers to reach out to adults. Definitely, um, I think just by 
I think adults can help kids by um, finding out what drives them, you know, by listening to them, by validating their feelings, you know, by making sure that you create a safe space for failure, you know, not being a dictator. So I really think it's about, you know, establishing that rapport with young people and really, you know, building strong relationships. Right. And, uh, you said you're a social worker here at Cobb, which means you socialize with uh, teens about their problems. On a day-to-day -day basis, how often do teens pull you aside and speak with you about the issues? Often. Um, if I had to say how many times throughout the day, I'll say 20. 20. It's, it's, it's oftentimes kids stop me for a number of different reasons well, related to their mental health needs. You say uh, teenage, like, what teenage depression look like to you? Like, what teenage depression? What does it look like? Of course. So depression in teens um, looks like a loss of, of interest in activities. So let's say you have, you know, an athlete who, you know, was really excited about playing sports and just suddenly, you know, they lose their interest in playing sports, you know, or maybe their appetite decreases. You know, um, they have a hard time focusing in class. You know, um, they don't feel like themselves. Right. So before the podcast, we did a survey basically um, for teens and adults, basically asking their views on mental health. And over 90% of adults voted that they were comfortable to talk to a teens about mental health matters. And less than 50% of the teens voted that they were comfortable talking to adults about it. So that it build different views on how teens communicate based on, like, teens communication and adults communication, how you think, like, they connect even though they view it differently based on what they're sharing with each other. So you're asking me why do adults and kids think differently? Basically. Basically. Like that, yeah, basically. Um, well, you just got to think about the mind, you know, Teenagers are still, their mind is still developing. The, the, the mind isn't developing until the age of 25, right? And so, you know, most times, you know, I would like to hope that, you know, adults have that, you know, emotional maturity um, versus, you know, young people, you know, sometimes they struggle and they need a lot of support and a lot of help and guidance. Um, and I just think that, you know, again, it's all about building those strong bonds and relationships. Young people have to feel that they can trust you. And adults can do that and engage young people more by making sure that they, one, listen, you know, validate young people's feelings, you know, show trust, you know, give praise, right? And I think all of those things um, are, great, are great ways to show young people that we really care and that we're there for them. And when they feel safe, then they're more able to come forward and speak to an adult. Right. right. Well, so you have, you have all this information and all this awareness about kids and mental health. How can we invest more adults to be more like you? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a great question. That's a great question, and I can't speak for other people. I can really only speak for myself. You know, this was a calling that was put on my life at a very early age. You know, I tell people all the time I didn't choose social work, it chose me. And so I have devoted literally my entire life to pouring into the lives of young people and individuals, you know, period. Um, but I think for adults who want to help, you know, kids, I think just by showing up, 
you know, showing up, being a, getting to know them, you know, figuring out what drives them, you know, showing up and supporting them at their events if they're in activities at school, or just maybe, you know, checking in with them just to make sure that, hey, you know, how you feeling? Are you doing okay? You know, and I think that, you know, if more adults step up and show kids that, you know, let kids know that they're seen and they're heard, that'll make the world of a difference. So basically building a relationship with the child? It's all about relationship building. Like you said, um, you didn't choose social work, and social work chose you. So, like, what made you, what made you realize that working with teens, like, was something that was important? What made you realize it was your, like, you felt, how you felt like it was your calling? Just, just because I can relate, you know, I always think back when I was a teenager, you know, I struggled, you know, I was bullied um, at a very early age, and I dealt, dealt with a lot of childhood trauma. And so I found myself at a crossroads where I literally had to, um, I had to heal. I had to heal from the trauma that I had gone through. And so I had to seek outside help. And so, you know, I went to therapy um, and that helped me. And I was able to transform my life, you know, and I was able to become the best version of myself. And since I was able to help myself, you know, it was very important to me to help others. And so again, the work that I do is all about serving others, serving the the students here at Call, but serving their families and just individuals in our community as a whole. All right, uh, and earlier I touched on, uh, I touched on uh, teens putting adults aside and speaking with them, but what are some ways you believe adults could positively impact uh, teens who are dealing with mental and physical issues? That's a great question. I think adults can, one, listen, you know, check in with kids and listen to what they're saying, you know, not be judgmental, um, and then offering ways for which you can support them. Um, I would always say, you know, making sure, especially in this building, that if you see a child who is struggling with their mental or emotional health, to complete an MTSS referral, so that way that, you know, the mental health um, team can reach out and check in with those kids and get them the help and the supports that they need. Um, and then also, you know, sometimes it's, it goes as far as, you know, maybe connecting families to outside providers because sometimes the support that the social workers in the building can provide isn't enough. And so sometimes kids have to be connected with uh, outside agencies to really get those intensive um, mental health supports and services that they really need. Uh, approximately in a week, how many essential social worker? How many teens do you affect in a week? <laughs> it's hard to really say, but I mean, if I just had to throw a number out there, shucks, I'll say about fifty. So good. 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 Yeah. Good. 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 Can reflect on the child's behavior. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. We have a, a saying here at Carver that um, adult culture is kids' culture, mm. right? And that plays a huge part, you know. And that goes back to what I was saying about the violence in New Orleans and how it contributes to teens' emotional distress. You know, when young people are exposed to traumatic events and and violence, their parents typically are exposed to those type of things too. And so how can they fulfill that, that role of being caring and nurturing if oftentimes parents haven't been able to give themselves the support that they need? And so it's very difficult to give your child something that you haven't given yourself.
right? And so I feel like hurt people hurt people, and it continues to continue that that cycle continues. You know where, I, and I hate to say it, but you know we see generational trauma. You know, you have a, a mother who has been through, who hasn't healed from her childhood trauma and how she passes those things on to her kids. And then when that child has kids, she passes that on too. And so it's really up to us to break those generational curses. And we get to do that by being mindful, by being awareness of what we need and when we need it and not being afraid to ask for that support in that moment. Mm -hmm. So, so we know that teens struggle with like being vocal about when they going through a certain type of feeling. How knowing that adults really don't process what teenage depression depression really look like besides what the teenage actually feeling. How do you think the adults could better identify when a child is like going through depression but not actually showing it? That's a really great question. By being educated and knowledgeable about what depression is and what it looks like in young people. And so again, you know, depression is a serious mental health condition that causes persistent feelings of sadness, hopelessness, and loss of interest in activities. And it can affect the way a child thinks, feels, and behaves. And so oftentimes that is presented in their day-to-day. -day. You know, some children, you know, may not want to get up in the morning and go to school. Some kids may not want to eat. Some kids may not even want to, you know, comb their hair or brush their teeth, you know. It just, it, it looks, it shows up in different ways for everybody. And so just really being mindful of, just being mindful of that and knowing how to identify those signs. Yeah, yeah, they was like, um, yeah, they was like, um, kids gotta open, yeah, we trying to give, bring awareness to adults, but also it goes both ways. Kids gotta also want help. Kids gotta also want won't be able to open up and break them generational cycles. Yes. Kids gotta wanna love on themselves. Kids, kids like being stuck in these little toxic ways they be going, the toxic, all that. Kids, it's just like, I don't know, you just have to bring awareness to them too. That's a big part of, that's a big part of that too. Changing the, changing the perspective, changing all that. That's what we're doing right now. Definitely, because I think young people normalize negativity. Right, they normalize it and, and, and they think that it's okay and it becomes like the new norm, right? But it's important for us to really like change that narrative, you know, and by saying, hey, you know, that's not cool, or hey, you know, that's not okay, and holding each other accountable, you know, to, to, to do better and to be better, you know? Um, but again, like, that's what I was speaking about earlier, like children tend to cope negatively, like they, they don't know how to cope positively with, you know, the day-to-day -day challenges and struggles. And that's when, you know, mental health professionals come into play because we get to teach young people the tools that they need to be successful, the tools that they need to, you know, better themselves, like teaching them healthy, calming, and coping skills, teaching them how to self-regulate, teaching them breathing techniques so that it can calm their nervous system so that they can be able to communicate in a way that is healthy, right? How much do you think social media um, negatively, negatively impacts the mental health of children? Say that one more time, as we go. How much do you think social media negatively impacts the mental health of children? A lot. Social media has a lot of negative effects on young people because one, you know, there isn't any adult supervision and children are, you know, young people are exposed to so much at rapid rates, right? Um, I've seen how social media has, you know, affected the way, you know, young people, how they think of themselves, you know, how they carry themselves, the st their style of dress, their style of communication, you know, what they deem is popular. And um, 
Yes, I mean, social media definitely plays a huge role in the mental health of young people because I think oftentimes they're comparing themselves to, comparing themselves and idolizing, you know, individuals who are just like themselves, human, and are not perfect. And it's difficult to navigate that for children when they don't have a, a, a positive adult to guide them, right? Um, I think that for teens to have like a good mental health, I think they have to have like really good methods to like cope with like their problems. And based on our surveys, about like almost 30% of teens like never use healthy methods to cope with their internal conflicts. And how do you think we can like educate adults to like, like let teens know like there are ways that, you know, they can, um, with their problems like reaching out and talking about it and stuff like that? I think it, maybe it would be good for like um, adults to attend workshops so that they're able to get that information so they're able to be educated on these type of topics so that they can best serve kids. Um, there are a lot of ways that kids can cope and there are a lot of healthy ways that kids can cope but they don't know what's available to them because they haven't had anybody to teach them or tell them. Um, but since we're talking about this subject, I'm going to give you guys some healthy um, coping skills. So um, taking a walk in nature and surrounding yourself in the elements. I always tell people grounding techniques are powerful because it, it, it helps you to leave your mind, excuse me, and return to your body. And so like the best way you can ground yourself is just really walking barefoot on the ground or just sitting Indian style um, on the ground. Um, also, just taking deep breaths, stopping to breathe. You know, it took me 30 years to learn how to breathe. I was a um, shallow breather for a very long time, and breathing is very, very important. And so, taking deep breaths, grounding techniques, journaling is a great way to release those negative emotions, you know, versus taking it out on a wall, you know, or abusing drugs or drinking alcohol. You know, journaling really helps you to release those negative feelings and those negative emotions. And then also just um, doing what you love to do that brings you joy, whether it's spending time with your friends, whether it's, you know, going roller skate, riding a bike, do the things that bring you joy and do them oftenly. Uh, um, I feel like some teenagers cope differently, but when teenagers use unhealthy ways of coping, I feel like it's because their in their environment they never really had a positive a positive influence to show them that that's not the right thing to do and not the right way to cope. But that's all about generational curses. Like, you know what I mean? When <coughs> Rich was in here in the other podcast, he was like, if your mama, if your mama, your mama drinking and all the other stuff, then it's going to be passed down. And then you just have to break that curse. You just have to break that curse. Like, you just, you just have to break whatever you don't want, whatever brings you negative in life. Like, if it's not giving you peace, if you're struggling, break it off. Like, release that. Like, let it go. I just, but like, I just wanted to. I just wanted to see your thoughts on, on that, basically. Right. I was trying to get to. And so your your ask is, you're saying like a lot of kids are coping negatively because that's what they've been exposed to and they don't know better. And so you want to know what exactly. 
I'm just trying to figure out what that is. My thoughts on it. Like, yeah, like basically, like your overview on why, not why, because I just answered my own question. I can't really. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I see what you're saying, but I mean, you 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 hit it on the nail. So, again, like our parents are our master teachers, and so young people, you know, when they see their parents engage in risky behaviors and engage in that type of activity, oftentimes, you know, kids mirror that. You know, whether whether it be healthy or unhealthy, and so I think that you know, as a young person, when you have been exposed to that asking for help you know and that help may have to come outside of your family you know and i think that's why it's so important for kids to be um engaged and really a part of the school community because it's 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 imperative in their in their in their upcoming and well-being in their upbringing and well-being um did you um what's the way that an adult can seek help help for themselves so that they will be able to help their children and have an adult ever came to you about the internal or external problems? Absolutely. So I think a way that an adult can um, help themselves is by, you have to be ready, you know, because you can't want something more than a person wants it themselves. So I can see a problem in an adult and offer help, but if they're not ready, then it won't be received. And so one, it comes with mindfulness, with self-awareness. You have to be ready and willing and have the willpower to want to change your life. And then when you are ready to make the decision to change your life for the better, then you seek out help. You seek out a therapist because therapy is the only thing that can ease the effects of depression. Therapy along with medication and consistent counseling can help ease the, the symptoms of, of depression. Um, and what was the second part of your question? Um, have an adult ever came to you about their internal or external problems? Absolutely. And so I don't just help kids in the building. I also help adults. You know, I've had some adults that have come and confided in me um, and needed help. And um, I have given a lot of referrals to mental health therapists in the city. And so I'm grateful that I was able to do so because, you know, as a collective, we need each other. You work with a lot of teens. You work with a lot of teens. So what's one major thing that you always get? Like not like what's one what's one thing your the teens one problem that they always come with? Yeah, one problem that they always come with. Um, a lot of kids report being under parental attack. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that's the hardest thing for kids when, you know, your abuser is your parent or father or guardian or caretaker. You know, as a child, you're already very vulnerable. And so when you're under attack by an adult that you look to for support and guidance and to care for you, that's really, really hard. And kids struggle with navigating that. And I'm gonna just be completely honest with you guys. Sometimes it's difficult for me, you know, um, to, to really give them the help that they need. And so if I had to say what was the, the, the number one issue, it's definitely that kids being under parental attack. Uh, do you feel? Do you feel teens' mental health has anything to do with like their friends or like anybody they hang with? Absolutely, because peer pressure is a real thing and energy is real. Right. You know, energy is real and energy isn't something that we can create or destroy. Energy is something that transcends, right? And so, you know energy can become infectious and so like when you're around positive people that positivity spreads just like when you're around negative people that negativity spreads and so it's important for us to surround ourselves with like-minded people all right um, 
I feel like we live in a generation where adults usually neglect <coughs> the signs and even even if even if a teen a teenager is telling them directly, they'll like push it to the side. Why do you think why do you think that is like, like what do you think adults use? Because how can you help somebody with an issue when you how can you help somebody when you can't help yourself? Right? Like how can I give you what I haven't been able to give myself? Right? Somebody can only meet you as far as they have met themselves. Right? So what's the biggest takeaway from um mental health? Like what's your biggest takeaway? What's your biggest Therapy, therapy, therapy. I think one is very important for young people to have a trusted adult in their corner. That is very, very important. Um, somebody that they can talk to when they need help. And then I also think that therapy is important, you know, being able to get the help that you need. You know, right. therapy has, it just works wonders. So based off how you see this generation and how the generation before us, what's the biggest difference between the generations which may have caused the different communications? So what's the difference? Yeah. In terms of what? Like, like how this generation like reacts to mental health or is has like resources they have mm -hmm. compared to now. Now, right. so like I'm a little older than y'all. <clears throat> so like past generations, you know, it was shunned in the, in our community, you know, because I'm a black woman. So like within the African American community, like therapy was shunned. It wasn't something that you know we sought out. You know, it was like you know, if we had a problem, we were told to pray about it, or you know. Um, you know, go to church, uh, you know what I'm saying? And if that was a problem in the house, well, what, what happens in the house stays in the house, right? And so, like, for me, I was one of the people in my family to, like, break that generational curse because when I was dealing with my childhood trauma, I actually, you know, sought out help, and I went to therapy, and as a result of that, you know, it opened the door for a lot of conversations within my family, and then a lot of my siblings started to seek therapy for help with their issues, right? And so, again, in order to break these generational curses, you have to be willing to do the work. You have to do the shadow work. You have to say, you know what? You have to be honest with yourself and say, okay, this is a problem for me. I want to be better. I want better for my children and really take those steps to do that. Self-awareness. So, so um, before, we, before we wrap up, what advice do you think you could give adults to better help teens or anybody really that go through um, mental health? Also, some advice you give to teens to like help themselves instead of depending on adults to help them. So something that I think, some advice that I can give to adults to be able to help kids. Um, sometimes we have to meet kids where they are. You know, sometimes we have to meet kids where they are, and again, understand what drives them. You know, listen to them. You know, engage with them. Um. And I think that's how they can be able to better help team because just with having that strong bond or relationship, you may have a team that come to you and say, hey, you know, I have something going on, can I talk to you? 
And just from that conversation, that adult can say, hey, let me loop you in with Miss Dyer, let me loop you in with Miss Moquette, or let me loop you in with Miss Hassan so you can get the mental health support you need. And then as it relates to teens being able to get the support that they need, um, trusted adults. You know, trusted adults and just one, being able to have that mindfulness and self-awareness within yourself to say, you know what, I don't feel like myself or you know what, you know, I'm going through this and I can't, you know, I don't have the willpower to overcome this by myself. I need help, right? So being able to ask for what you need when you need it, like in real time and seeking out that help and support. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that was basically. Tell about the Aspen Challenge, because we were supposed to do it in the beginning. But <laughs> the Aspen Challenge is, um, is what we get five challenges. Well, yeah, we get five challenges, and out of the five challenges, you get to pick one solution. Pick one, one challenge, one challenge and come up, and with, a come up with a solution with that challenge, right? So, yeah, so we picked mental health because we felt like it was like a big, the biggest challenge there is, and it, yeah. Well, I love that for you guys. Mm -hmm. Well, we would like to thank you for joining our podcast. Uh, from uh, from Carlos Mental Care Crew, Dana Wright, class of 2025. Lissia Rivers, class of 2025. I'm signing Maureen, class of 2025. Jacoby Fledger, class of 2025. Jada Sanders, class of 2025. Santana Man from class of 2025. I get that pepper, that's a big old thing. I was a bitch. It's a student achievement. It's a success. Wait. It's a success. Don't come in here messing about that because we had a whole organized day.